Yeah, this is Pastor Tito here welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and learn how to follow through with your life. And that is at the heart of the sermon series that I've begun for 2021 called I Will Do It Tomorrow, Finding the Power to Change. Now, if you want to see, again, you want to see change in your life, all right, well, start with putting Christ in your life, following through the important things there. Um, and we talked about maximizing today, no, talking about the idea that procrastination is a sin, especially when we procrastinate the things of God and put him off for tomorrow. What a horrible trade-off that is. And so now that we've been talking about that and training ourselves in godliness, and here's what I need to be doing today. Okay, well, how should that impact the next day. And what does that actually look like even more? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today as we are continuing our series and as we wrap things up. Towards Christ in faith today, guys, we will move backwards towards further unbelief tomorrow. You guys, that's what, that's the one thing that I want to make sure as we walk away from all of this. Some of you guys have made some great, amazing steps this month. But then I want to tell you as we move on, is that right there, that if we are not purposely moving forward in our faith towards Christ today, you will find yourself slipping further and further away and into unbelief tomorrow. And that's not what I want from you. That's not what God wants from you. In fact, that's probably one of the reasons why so many people feel frustrated. Maybe some of you guys have been doing a lot this month, more than normal in pursuing Christ. And maybe you're, some of you are excited. Maybe some of you are frustrated. Now, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you have asked this question at some point. I guarantee you, if you've done it long enough, why am I not growing? Anybody online want to be honest and say, I've said that sometimes. Anybody here in person? Have you ever wondered and asked that question? Why is my faith not growing? Why am I not some of you online, be honest. And some of us, I want to tell you, the reason why we feel that way is we either compare ourselves to someone else and we're seeing, wow, uh, man, I see that person and I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing more than that person. And look at God moving in their life and why not in mine? Let me just tell you, uh, some people are really good at putting up fronts, okay? So don't assume because you see something that everything is right on the outside, all right, or inside as well. So we got to be careful with how we do and how we compare. We don't fall in that comparison trap. But let me tell you, if you ever find yourself feeling frustrated, why am I not growing? The problem might be the fact that you are not as consistent. Like the problem is not necessarily what you're doing. It's how often. Maybe it's the distractions of this world. And so you are doing some things, but you're taking one step forward towards Christ, but then taking two steps backwards because of everything else. And obviously then it's going to feel like you're not growing. And so guys, look, success in almost anything in life, the key to success is really consistency, right? If you want to see change in your life, which is the whole purpose of the series, to find the power to change. Well, guys, the key to change and the key to success is consistency. If you want to get better, you know, financially free, healthy, your, your relationships better, we all know this to be true. Consistency is key and it's no different when it comes to our faith in God consistently moving towards him, consistently growing. That is what matters. And just like those self-powered walkways that we see in our airports and in our theme parks, right, that are heading in one direction, this world is heading in one direction. And it's away from God and towards death and destruction. And if we are not actively moving towards Christ by faith today, 
you will unintentionally find yourself drifting further and further into unbelief tomorrow. Further and further away from the very God that can save you and give you life. So what can we do? I'm going to show you two. We're going to parallel two scriptures today. One in the Old Testament, one in the New, to show you the consistency. Remember, we talked about consistency is key. I want to show you the consistency of the scriptures, consistency of God, because it shows you this matters, this works. So here we go. We're going to read Joshua 3, chapter, well, chapter 3, verses 1 and 6. We're going to start there, and then we're going to parallel that to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can look at Joshua 3, 1 and 6 with me. We're going to put it on the screen so those at home and everybody here, you can read it. So I, I got you if you didn't come prepared. So here we go. Let's read these six verses together. Chapter 3 says, Joshua started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all of the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. After three days, Officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and do what? Follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards. And you thought social distancing at six feet was something. Look at that. Keep a distance of a thousand yards between yourselves and the Ark. Look, he says, why? Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go for you haven't traveled this way before. Joshua then tells the people, consecrate yourselves. I'm going to explain that word in a minute. Because, why? Consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you when? Tomorrow. Consecrate yourselves today because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. All right, so we're going to stop there. Now, guys, uh, let me just give you the situation here so you can understand the context even when it comes to us as well. So this moment in history has, is 40 years after the big, you know, crossing of the Red Sea. If some of you guys have seen the movies, read the stories of Moses and Egypt and the Exodus, right? This is happening. This moment in Joshua has happened 40 years after that, all right? God leads the people of Israel and frees them from slavery under Pharaoh. And then they go to the promised land with him. Well, they go to Mount you know, Sinai. They get the Ten Commandments. They get the law. They get to learn how to be a free nation, how to be a free people. And they then go all the way to the promised land. But if you were with us in the last Sunday of 2020, I preached on that. And what happened was is that they were not allowed to enter the promised land because they did not have faith in God. They doubted God and instead wanted to go backwards, right? Look at that. If you're not moving forward towards faith, you find yourself Going backwards. That's what Israel did. They lacked faith. They ended up going backwards, and they wanted to go all the way back to slavery in Egypt. But God said, nah, I ain't going to have that. I'm going to do something with you, and we're going to walk in the wilderness together for 40 years until I, until you, and a new generation can see that I am trustworthy, worthy of your trust. If they haven't figured it out by then, which they did, but whatever. They walked together for 40 years. And here is that moment. The people of Israel are back at the scene of the crime, and will this generation... Repeat the sins of their father's generation, the one before, and, and doubt God or have faith. They went all the way to the Jordan River because there was, that was it. They couldn't go any further. And that's interesting for us, guys, because, listen, in life, you can make a lot of progress. In life and as a society, we can make a lot of progress, but there's a limitation to that progress. And the only way we can truly move forward is by and through faith in God. And that's what happened here. And for them to enter and to receive their inheritance, the promised land, they had to believe in God. 
So notice the instructions here. That was the problem. They couldn't move any further unless they had faith. And so there was two things, though. There was two commands there, right? You saw that the, that the people were, were telling, well, the leaders were telling the people, when you see the priest walking with the Ark of the Covenant. Now, some of you might have a picture of that if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. back. I love that movie, right? Indiana Jones. Maybe you've seen some cartoons or some images. It was a gold box that was filled with the Ten Commandments, okay? That was inside of it. But there was a lid. The Ark of the Covenant had a lid which was made of solid gold. And it was three in one, which was this lid. There was two cherubims, two angels looking down at life. Blood-covered gold above the law, and you can have life. That's why it was mercy. You can have mercy. That's why it's called the mercy seat. So they said, if you see the priest carrying the Ark with a mercy seat, what, are they, what were they supposed to do? Break camp and what? What? Follow it. Go after it. But then the other command was what? Consecrate, though. That's going to happen later. But today, you got to get ready. You got to get prepped. He said, consecrate yourselves today. Consecrate yourselves today. Set yourself apart. In essence, listen, get ready. It's like, you know, if you, gotta, if, if you have a date, maybe if you're, you know, let's say you're single or you're married, right? If you know you got a special date going to happen, what you going to do? Go get ready, right? You're going to take a shower. You're going to be a little bit extra, right, with your this and your that. You get your nice stuff, get your nice. You're going to get ready because you want to show off, right? Same thing. Oh, you got a job interview the next day. What are you going to do? Get ready, right? You're going to make sure getting all tight, nice, right? Do what you need to do. Get ready, looking clean, right? When you know something is about to happen, you want to get ready. Same thing with parenting, right? When you know you got a kid that's going to about to be born, what are you going to do? Get ready. So consecrating is do what is necessary to prepare yourselves because if you consecrate yourself today, what did God promise was going to happen? You're going to see me do something awesome tomorrow. But see, God cannot be glorified tomorrow unless his people were able to consecrate themselves today. You see that? And that was by faith because look, I know I just mentioned us getting ready and do stuff like that, but consecration involved a lot of washing and cleansing and, and in essence, bathing. And I know you and I, this is for some of us that live in, you know, the United States and, and uh, in the West, right? Is, having access to water, that's, that's like first world problems, right? I mean, it's get, taking a shower for some people is a chore, right? It's a habit. But for people back then, that was a, a luxury. Water was not available like that to be able to just to take a shower. For you to consecrate yourselves and to bathe and everybody was costly, God was asking them, I want you to pay this expensive price in faith, believing that tomorrow you're going to see something. It's not going to be, it's not going to be instant. And notice he didn't say, did God said, I'm, I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. Did he? He just said, no, I'm just going to do something, but you're going to have to wait and see. But see, consecration was, was done by faith. They had to trust in God. All right, we're going to pay the price today because we believe he's going to pay off tomorrow. You see that? And that's important for us to understand, guys, what God, us, when we consecrate ourselves to the Lord, we do it by faith, believing that God will do something, maybe not instantly, but because we know that he will do something eventually tomorrow. And so let me just kind of give you the, the cool thing. Here's what happened. The people of Israel did it. They did it by faith, unlike their parents that didn't believe. They did it by faith. They paid the price. The next day, the, the priests are carrying the ark, and it's walking forward, and the people see it, and they believe, and they break camp. And then they start following the ark of a distance of a thousand yards. And then here the priests are carrying the ark of the covenant, which are four, each on a pole. They're walking forward towards the Jordan River around this time in the, not just in history, but around this time that they are there. The Jordan River would flood. And so where they are going is actually very dangerous. They are about to cross a river 
at the worst time of the year. Okay, and so because of the raging current and the, the high waters, it's bigger than normal. So it is not easy. In fact, in order to cross this river on foot, like through it, there's no bridge, no toll, nothing like that. Okay, no little gondolas that can take them off to the other side. All right, this is a nation of hundreds of thousands of people, maybe some say maybe close to a million, we don't know exactly, that they're going to cross this river. And they know, man, if we just keep walking into this, look, not all of us are going to make it. We're going to lose some of our stuff, or some of us might lose our lives. But here the priests are walking by faith because the priests were told, go that way. What are you going to do, God? You'll find out when it happens. Just keep going. All right? God likes to kind of, you know, this is like the suspense, like a great storyteller, right? Just, just go. You'll see. You'll see. All right? Sometimes we just need to be shown and not told. Okay? It's just better that way. So the priests are walking by faith, and they're getting closer and closer to the river. And here's the thing. The closer that the priests get to the river... Uh, they're, the closer that they get to the situation, they realize, whoa, that looks, that looks a little crazier than, bro, you, you sure, bro? And I'm like, and I'm like all right, I, do you see anything happening? No. I was like, what's going to happen? Because if they step into that river and keep walking into that river, holding that heavy golden box, they're going to drown. But they don't like, God said go that way, so they go. And they're obedient in faith. And you know what's amazing what the scripture says later? The second the priest got their feet wet, the second they got their feet wet, the second they took a step of faith, put their foot in the river, God upstream holds back the water and does a miracle, holds back the water. And the more the priests step into the river, the river, the, the levels aren't going up and up and up and up and up. It's actually going down and down and down and down and down to the point that the priests are standing in the middle of this riverbed on dry ground. God is replicating the crossing of the Red Sea that he had did 40 years to the previous generation that acted by faith. And so God is holding it. Here's the nation coming behind and seeing, oh my gosh. And they were able to cross over through this empty, dry riverbed by faith and they stepped into their inheritance. They stepped into the promises of God because they did it by faith. And they took an act of faith, a step of faith. And it didn't happen until somebody got their feet wet. That's when it happened. And the, the God held the waters up until the last person crossed the river, entered into the promised land, and then the river began to flow like normal. God did only what he can do. Now, guys, in the New Testament, we see Jesus and the New Testament authors would always say, what happens in the Old Testament is like a shadow. What happens in the Old Testament are, is good for us today as we're able to see and get examples and show this is what, who God is and what he's done, examples to follow, examples to avoid. But the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. The New Testament is like that light that shines, that reveals, hey, what happened here? Here's how God's going to do that. What happened then? This is what God is going to do or has done now. So now I want to show you, we're going to read Romans 12, 1 and 2 to show how that moment in Joshua's time actually is our moment today, and we are called to live it out. So let's look at this. We're going to read this bit by bit. So Romans 12, two little verses, 1 and 2, says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I'm going to stop there. What is he saying? Now, again, every time you see therefore, you got to connect it to what was written and said before. So actually, he kind of summarized it right there. When he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians, the Christians in Rome. This is written over a thousand years after Joshua's, and that account happened way over after that. 
In view of what? In view of the mercies of God. This is Romans chapter 12. For 11 chapters, Romans 1, all the way through 11, Paul is doing nothing but showing them the mercies of God, how God displayed his mercy through Jesus Christ on the cross as Jesus was the perfect sacrifice that died on the cross and paid for the penalty of our sins. And he spends 11 chapters saying, this is what happens. This is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And because he did this for us, and because of us, if we believe, because, you know, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that's in Romans. And, and the wages of sin is death, that's in Romans. But he says, but there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus for all who believe. All who believe in Christ are set free and forgiven and given a new life. That's, this is all he's been talking about for 11 chapters, showing the mercies of God, how God extends his mercy towards sinners like us. Remember the mercy seat? Why is it called the mercy seat? Solid piece of gold, two angels covered in blood that holds back death from the law. Guys, Jesus is the mercy seat. It was a solid piece of gold. God is three in one, the Trinity there. As the Father and the Spirit bear witness to Jesus Christ as he laid his life down for us and his blood was shed. And because of that, now God is holding back. Jesus himself is holding back the wrath of God in the same way that he held back the river. In the same way God held the river upstream, Jesus is holding back the wrath of God towards all who believe and all who trust in him. That's Christ. That is what he is doing right now. And listen, Jesus is our high priest. Jesus went before us, just like in Joshua, as the priests go before you, follow it, right? Jesus is our high priest who went before us, who stepped into death. And the second he stepped into death, death, to, you know, death ran. The, as Jesus kept on entering in, man, death just faded away. And our priest is standing right now in the middle of this dry riverbed with this blood-soaked clothes and everything so that we can cross over from death into life. That's what we're doing. That's what is happening here. Jesus is replicating that same thing. But notice Paul. Let's go back to Paul. Therefore, knowing what Jesus has done for us in view of the mercies of God, in view of what the God has shown us on the cross, what does he say? In verse, two, in verse 1, he says, I urge you. Look at that word, urgency. This isn't don't do it tomorrow. Don't do it later. Think about it. No, no, no. I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to stop there. But you see that word say, I urge you. Don't waste. Don't put this off. Did you notice in Joshua, he says, once you see the priest walking, what do you got to do? Break camp and follow it, right? Once you see it, follow it. Well, that's what he's, Josh, that's what uh, Paul is telling the Romans too. Now that you have seen Christ go before us, follow him. Once you've seen Christ go before us, follow him. He is the way. Head in that direction. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I urge you, don't put this off for tomorrow. No, do it today. Why? So you can avoid being conformed to this world. And instead be transformed in the renewing of your mind. And when he says mind, we're not just talking about thinking and smart things like that. No, we're just talking about the core of who you are. Because sometimes in, in the way that things are written, the mind and in the heart in Hebrew culture was the same thing. It was the core of who you are. The core of who you are. Yes, your thinking, your feeling, your emotions, it's you. And he says when you are transformed by your continual renewal at your core. 
but why should you follow? I urge you because if you don't, you are going to be conformed to this world. You're going to slip further and further away into unbelief. And conformity is not fun. None of us want to be conformed. You know what conform means? Right? It means to be shaped and molded against what you would like, against your will. To be conformed, I want you to picture right now a tray of muffins. Right? You ever seen a tray of muffins? All the muffin shapes are the same. You put the mold inside and they all come out the same. Right? And in essence, what he's telling, what Paul is telling these Christians, which I'm telling you today, you got a choice. Because of what Jesus has done, because Jesus has come before us, you can either choose to be bricks or you can choose to be butterflies. Which one do you want to be? You want to be a brick or do you want to be a butterfly? Because conformity is bricks. The world and the devil itself, everything in this world is designed and walking in one direction to conform you against the truth of God. To conform you not into the image of God, but to conform you into the image of, in the, image of the devil itself. That's what he wants. And bricks are the same. Bricks lose their identity. They're equal, right? That's what bricks are. And if you are not pursuing Christ, somebody's turning you into a brick. Somebody's going to turn you into a brick. But transformation, that word transformation in the Greek means metamorpho, which is metamorphosis, a complete transformation from the inside out, not this change from the outside in. No, it's from the inside out. Just like a butterfly, right? You see that beautiful, not beautiful, let's be real, right? Caterpillars are ugly, right? And so you get this lame looking caterpillar that takes forever. It's a slow, yeah, whatever. But the second the caterpillar goes into a cocoon, it is transformed and born again. Caterpillars are born again into this slazy, nothing caterpillar kind of a thing. No, you know, no shame on caterpillars. God made them. God loves them, but whatever. You know what I mean? And so he transforms them into a butterfly, uh, something beautiful that now can fly and can move and can go and reach new heights. And it's not just conformed to this world, but is set free from this world. You see that? That's what happens when we follow Christ. God transforms us into something beautiful. We are born again when we put our souls into and into the cocoon of who is the truth, the cocoon of the arms of God. He transforms us until the job is done and until we are receive that glorified body in Christ Jesus. That's what we have. But in order to see that, we have to resist the things of this world. When the, what did the Israel say in Joshua? When you see it, break camp. You got to break up. You got to pick up your stuff, leave behind certain things and follow. Let me tell you, if um, I like to watch the news and stuff like that, and I, I believe that Christians, let me warn some of you guys, Christians, we need to be careful and cautious not to be caught up in conspiracy theories or in conversations that lead to division, all right, necessarily lead to division outside of the, what is the truth of God. But this is not a conspiracy theory. That's why I want to tell you. The nations of the world are in unified in one voice, and they all have one request, they all have one hope and wish, and it is called for a great reset. Okay, if you actually look that up, it's really interesting. The nations of the world are all united on one heart to experience a great economic reset, to experience a great political and power reset so that we can move forward in life, so that we can move forward and to create a better world. And some of those, will it work? Maybe. Not necessarily. It's not going to always be perfect because it's, it's humanity, right? But that great reset is interesting. All, you know, empires, not empires, I want to say, prime ministers and politicians for the last few years, including even our President Biden, God bless him, he, they will all use the same phrase. We're going to build back better, build back better. That is a phrase that is consistent across the nations because what they want is a great 
reset, that we kind of bring everybody, unify the nations together so that we can, you know, advance and leave behind certain things and move forward. Let me tell you something. The, all the world wants a great reset, and God's going to answer that prayer. That's a prayer that everybody wants. We want a great reset. God's going to bring that great reset. When Jesus comes again, oh, the nations are going to get a great reset when Jesus comes again the second time. There is going to experience, the world will experience a great reset when Jesus returns. But that's not the one that they want. I'm just being real. That's not the one they want. It's the one we need. But only Jesus can bring that great reset. And until then, that's, that's later. What the world does not need is a great reset. What the world needs is a great revival. That's what we need to really reset things in our hearts and minds. That's what the world needs. It's not a great economic and political reset. We need a spiritual reset. That's where the that's what we need, a great revival. And a great revival requires great resistance. A great resistance towards the things of this world, towards the lies and the enemies and the conformity, all those things. We need a great reset, a great resistance towards those things so that God can reset us and experience that transformation that he is talking about. Notice, and again, he says, I urge you to do what? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Consecrate yourself. The word consecrate means literally separate yourself, okay? It doesn't mean because some people in this church um, and back then and even still today, they, they take that too far and people are really extra. And they say to consecrate yourselves means to get rid of all things worldly. You know, don't do this, don't do that. This is sin, this is not a sin. And they go too much, you know? Listen, there are things in this world that God has given us that we are meant to enjoy, but we don't enjoy it in the sense of that we worship it to fulfill us. We enjoy these things because really God has satisfied us. And it reminds us to be grateful for the things that God has given us. You see that? So there's a, there's a difference there. But to consecrate yourselves, to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Notice Jesus was the sacrifice that he died so that we can live. And this isn't, he's not asking us to go outside and lay our lives down right now, like necessarily, like we all about to die and drink the Kool-Aid. I'm not doing that. Okay, some of y'all are going to be, wait, is the passive communion again? I'm not doing it. Don't trust it. Listen, chill. Okay. The thing is, what he's saying is, no, through your life, living sacrifices, our life should be, sacrificial love should be the definition of our life. There it is. Our life should be described as sacrificial as we are giving of ourselves sacrificially. And this present yourselves as living sacrifice is something that we do daily. We are out to consecrate ourselves consistently. You read this morning, right? This morning we had our worship leader today, Lillian, say pray consistently. That word came up this morning. For it's God's will for you to continue to go. It's God's will that we continually consecrate ourselves. And to consecrate, separate ourselves. Listen, I'll give you two words. Divorce yourself from the things of this world and dedicate yourselves to God. That's what that is. That's the one kind of divorce God's good with. All right? Just for, and if anybody, you know, that if you've done, okay, God, there's, there's love and restoration in there. But that's the kind that we need. We got to divorce ourselves from the things of this world. Dedicate ourselves more and more to God himself. And notice he says, this is true worship. That is worship. When Jesus says, oh, God is looking for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. This is it right there. This is what it means that we are surrendering and giving ourselves to the truth of God, believing in the truth of God, right? In, in our spirit, by faith, and in truth as we apply it. This is how that works. This is worship. And so many of us, we settle and we think, well, listen, I had a great worship time. What did that mean? Well, I had a good five minutes, I had a good 10 minutes. I was singing songs and praying, you know, is that worship? Yes, but there's more, okay? That's part of it. Some of you guys, I'm gonna hurt your feelings. Get ready, here he goes. Stretch, breathe. 
Some of y'all sing pretty, but some of y'all don't live pretty. Okay? Some of y'all sing pretty. You don't live pretty. One, you can't, if, if one is not worth, if, if, if without the living pretty, then the other one isn't worship. That's, I'm telling you guys, that's what matters. Are, is the songs that we sing when we gather together, are, are you living out the songs that you sing out in your day? That is as consistently, not perfectly, that's not what I'm saying, but that's what matters. That is true worship. There it is. That's the kind. That's the worship, guys. It's sacrificial love. Jesus gave his life down for us. And what does he ask? That we lay our life down and live in this way. Sacrificial love. Later on, you know what, Paul, this is how you know, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Keep reading. Paul says later, when he says this is true act of worship, later in chapter 12, he says, so love one another. Lay your life down for one another. Submit to one another. Love each other inside of the church. And then he goes all the way down and he goes this far. Even love your enemies. That is sacrificial love. That is worship when you are loving someone that doesn't look like you, act like you, think like you, vote like you, have the same opinions as you. Right? That is sacrificial love. That is worship. Now, let me just say something. We don't claim people to be enemies of God like we pick and choose. Boy, you my boy, you my boy, you my boy. You sus. No, no, you got. That's not us. We don't play, you know, that kind of duck, duck, goose kind of a thing. Enemies of God are our enemies are people who choose and act and live in that way. When they, in their lifestyle, their attitudes, and the, and the lies that they push, behave as enemies of God. But Jesus laid down his life for his enemies. And God just calls us to lay down your pride and lay down your whatever and just love them. That's what God calls us to do. That is worship. And notice, I'm going to read that last part. Look at Romans 12. He says, give yourself as a living sacrifice. True to Surrender yourself to the love of God. Surrender yourself in love towards one another. And you're not going to be conformed to this world, but instead you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that, look at here. Remember, in Joshua it says, consecrate yourselves today, and I'm going to show you something tomorrow. If we consecrate and give ourselves a living sacrifice, look what Paul says. Do these things and be transformed so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Look at that. In our transformation, the more of us, the more we follow Christ, the more we're going to be able to, and he will help us to discern, here's the right way to go. Here's the wrong way. Here's what's good. Here's what's not. And he'll help us to follow. Remember in Joshua, he says, hey, pay attention because you're going to go away. You've never been before. And when we surrender and give ourselves to God every day, he's going to guide us through a life and he's going to lead us through a, a way that we've never been before. And we're going to ally and he's going to help us to do things that we've never done before, like loving our enemies and, and that God through us will transform lives if we follow him with our life. That's what we're called to do right now. Listen, I, I told you a minute ago that you had two river, you had two crossings, right? Israel experienced two crossings. They had the big Red Sea with Moses, and they had the Jordan crossing. And in between, they were wandering in the wilderness. Well, the first Red Sea crossing is symbol of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because Jesus was the Passover lamb, and he laid his life down so that when we put our trust in him, because the people of Israel had their backs against the wall, there was no hope, no way out. And God made a way where there was no way and split the sea open with two walls of water and did a miracle so that they can walk forward into life, into freedom. And then the water would come down and consume, you know, their enemies. That is salvation. The Red Sea crossings would happened on the cross. 
because Jesus, when he laid down his life, he made a way where there was no way, which was to be saved. And all that could follow and put their trust in Christ, when you make it through, the water has already come down and has consumed our enemies. For, G for the devil has been defeated and still is. All right? He still is defeated. He has been consumed. Our enemies have been consumed by the cross. And you and I right now, we're in the middle of our wandering as we're living in this world. The promised land is not you know, heaven one day. It is him. The promised land is a promised life that we have in Christ. And you and I, one day, we're going to get to the river, not the Jordan River, but we're going to get to a river called death. That unless, there's no way that we can cross through this river unless we have faith in Christ. It doesn't matter how good we behaved and what we did. There's no way to cross from death into life without faith in Christ. And when you put your faith in the one, the river split all over again. And you and I will be able to enter from this world, from this age, into a new one through faith in Jesus Christ. And what we need to do is that. Se you know, separate yourself. Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Consecrate yourself. Well, okay, that sounds fancy and all, but how do I do that? Well, let me just give you that image of the priest because this is all God's asking you to do. Just get your feet wet. Get your feet wet. Did you notice all he asked the priest to do is put your foot in the river and watch me do the rest. That's it. Put, get your feet wet. You ever heard that phrase before, get your feet wet? Right? It just means, right, let me just give you the definition. To get, to get your feet wet means to begin doing something. It just means get started. To get your feet wet means get started. Begin doing a new job, a new activity, a new habit. Get your feet wet. It's usually slow and simple in order to get familiar, but that's it. God, all he asks you to do is just get your feet wet. Take a step in faith and watch me do the rest. Get your feet wet and watch me do the rest. Guys, I want to tell you right now, following Christ requires that you get your feet wet. Some of you maybe aren't seeing the right kind of change because you kind of just put your, you, know, you dip your toe in the water, then you bring it back. And you dip your toe in the water and you bring it back. You dip your toe and you bring it back. No, it's get your feet wet and keep moving forward. Because if you're not moving forward towards Christ, you will find yourself slipping backwards into unbelief. Get your feet wet. That's all he asks you to do. Notice following Christ is action. It's get your feet wet. God, that's what he asked the apostles to do. He walked up to these apostles, some of us that we look to them and look at how they changed the world, which they did. And all he asked these apostles to do was what? Hey, follow me. Just follow me. Follow me and I'm going to do the rest. Follow me and I'll show you. Follow me. Their act of laying everything down was them getting their feet wet. That's all he asked them to do so that he can show and prove his faithfulness in everything else. So guys, when it comes to get your feet wet, some of you guys have been doing it, keep doing it. Maybe it's, it's all it is, is just enjoying the love of God. Get your feet wet in the river of his love. That's it, put your trust and confidence in the river of his love that it was shed and is running for you right now. That is all God wants you to do. It is the love that is, it can, it's a connection between us and him and us and each other. So when we read the Bible and when we spend your daily times with God, training yourself in godliness that we've been talking about, you don't know how to get started, but just get your feet wet. You don't know what to do, just get your feet wet. Just do something. Move forward. Move forward. You don't have to have it all perfect and figured out because then you will never, never get there. Because there's no standing still in life. You're either moving forward or backwards. There is no standing still. And all he asks us to do is get your feet wet and move forward. God, just be loved by God. Love one person. 
Love somebody. Pray for one person. Just get your feet wet. Get started. Don't put it off for another day. Listen, when you put your faith in Christ and you get your feet wet by trusting in him, listen, you know what you're stepping into? Your, your, your inheritance. You are stepping into the promises of God now and later. And when you put your, you get your feet wet in Christ, you know what you're stepping into? You are stepping into a true identity in Christ that you can't find out in the world. When you, put, when you get your feet wet and follow Christ, you are stepping into a true community that is unlike any kind of counterfeit family that this world can offer you. When you get your feet wet and take a step of faith towards Christ, you step into God's purpose for your life, which is better than anything else this world is offering you. But it's your choice. In order to move forward, you got to leave something behind. And that's all he asks us to do is move forward in faith. Some of you are like, all right, some of you are there. Some of y'all, you ain't waiting for me. You're already running. Some of you are still waiting with your feet on the riverbank. You're like, I've done too much. I don't deserve to cross. I've, maybe, maybe you were a Christian who got yourself in the river, but then you started finding yourself. Now you're back on the other side of the riverbank further lost in the wilderness than you were before. I get it. But still, God is still calling you to follow. God is still calling you to get your feet wet. If you've taken a thousand steps in the wrong direction, then the next step needs to be forward towards Christ. That's it. And he will do the rest. I want you, despite what you have done, God is saying, do because of what I have done. That's all he's asking. Despite anything you've done in your life, it doesn't matter. Do. Trust in Jesus because of what he did for you on the cross. His love on display on the cross. That is all he asks of you to do. And the second you get your feet wet in faith and follow Christ and put your trust in him, you're going to see the river of shame and the river of regret and the river of your addiction. And all those things, God's going to pull that back so that you can experience and step into that eternal life today in him and be washed by the and filled and overrun by his life transforming love that's it but you got to step in the river trust him follow him today and every day every day because remember i said this earlier the key to success is what consistency the key to faithful to your faith success is consistency so keep consistently every day running towards your king away from the things of this world that's just going to conform you and run into the river of the love of God that will transform you. That is all that you are called to do consistently. Give yourself into the love of God. Consistently love one another. Consistently go and walk in faith away from unbelief. Give yourself to God every single day. More to God and less in this world. That's it. It's not going to be perfect, but it doesn't matter. The more you step forward, God will do the rest. He is doing something in you right now. Don't doubt it. Maybe you are not where you want to be, but if you can look back and say, but I'm not where I used to be, praise God for your progress right now. Praise God for that progress because he is faithful despite even our unfaithfulness. Listen, the power to change, the power to truly change comes from God by his grace and our faith. That's why you got to get your feet wet in faith to follow Christ. Because if we consistently divorce ourselves from Satan's rule and dedicate ourselves to the lordship of Christ, God will display to the world his life-transforming power through us the more we are changed by the love of Christ. And it's just a step of faith away. And I want to lead you guys right now. We're going to sing a song where I'm going to challenge you to take a step right now. The song speaks of I surrender. 
It just says it's, it's consecrating ourselves, separating ourselves, dedicating ourselves to him. Well, guys, now it's your choice to give yourself. Here's an opportunity to present yourself as a living sacrifice to God. Regardless if your sacrifice is imperfect, which none of us are, not even mine. Maybe it's dirty. Maybe it's weird. Maybe it's like, nah, I don't think God's going to like it. No, he says this is pleasing to the Lord. He just wants you. He was perfect because we couldn't be. He's already handled that. He just wants you so he can perfect you. So he can work in you. And that's all a step of faith away. I want to pray before we sing. Lord God, I want to praise you right now and thank you for all that you are and all that you have done. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have split the sea of sin through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that we can cross through into a new life in you. And we thank you, Lord, that on the cross, the enemy has been defeated and still is and has not yet been able to recuperate from the mortal wound that you gave them the day you died. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, God, that you are faithful in our wandering. Maybe some of us here, we've spent too, too much time wandering in the wilderness because of our disobedience and because of our lack of faith. But Lord, right now, I pray that the spirit of the living God, that you help us to put our trust and confidence in you. So we are not stuck wandering in this world, but instead we are stepping into your loving arms, stepping into the promises of God. Lord, we lay everything down at your feet. Guys, I can't pray this for you, but I'll pray, but you do it yourself. Lord, we lay down our past, our mistakes, all things. We want to give ourselves right now to you. We want to surrender to your sacrificial love, Jesus. And we're so grateful that, Lord, on in the grave, three days later when you rose from the dead, the stone was rolled away in the same way that you have now rolled back the wrath of God. And Lord, you made a way through death and into life. May we take a step of faith right now, Jesus. For every follower and believer in Christ Jesus, I pray that you may repent right now for your inconsistencies. I do as well, and I am as well. Repent of your inconsistencies and turn to God so he can continue to transform you and do the work and begin the work that he has started in you, the work that he promises to finish if you keep pressing on and for everybody here, if you've never put your faith in Christ online and, and here, God's going to start something in you. If you consecrate yourself today, he's going to glorify himself in you tomorrow. You'll see. All you have to do is get your feet wet by putting your trust and confidence in Christ. Say, Lord, I believe in you, Jesus, and I believe I'm not perfect and I need a savior. So forgive me of my sins and fill me with your spirit so I can learn to follow you. If you pray with these words in your, in your heart and you mean it, you are getting your foot wet right now. And I pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit of God, that the river of shame and regret and all those God is pulling it up. He is drying it up right now so he can meet you in the middle of the riverbed and embrace you in his loving arms. God, I pray, Spirit, that you may lead us to do this right now and give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we're wrapping up this series, guys, I want you to walk away, okay, with that idea. Listen, when it comes to, you want to see change in your life, you want to follow Christ, listen, just get your feet wet. That's it. Get your feet wet. Do something. Something is better than nothing. And maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're new at this or whatever. Listen, just get going. That's what it means. Just get your feet wet in faith. That's how you move forward. Because once you trust in God, listen, he will do the rest. He will do the rest. Your best is just belief in Christ and surrender when you do. 
He will handle the rest. Just get your feet wet. Put your trust and confidence in Jesus and then keep moving them feet. Keep taking steps. Keep walking. Keep applying. Guys, it's all about, again, key. the key is consistency. And the consistency that we need is that we are continually and consistently running to God every single day, consistently giving of ourselves, consistently diving into the truth, consistently calling on the name of Jesus. Because the more we do that, the more he will show us, the more he works in our life and through our life. But that's the key, guys. The key is consistency. And if we keep doing that, man, God's going to show off. He's going to show off. Again, that's the revolutionary that God wants. You know, a revolutionary, the way the world revolves around the sun continually, constantly. Listen, orbit your life around him. And watch him show off in a mighty, mighty way.